Hey everybody, welcome to British Church UK's podcast. Our vision is to be planted for the community here in Launceston. We pray the messages you listen to on our channel will bless you this week. This morning, uh, well, last week, Ben introduced uh, our new sermon series, What is in Your Hands? What are we holding? What is in our hands? And it's uh, four parts, and here I am this week for week number two. So, what is in your hands? If I asked you that right now this morning, what are you holding? If I asked you to write it down, if I asked you to get out a piece of paper, this is like one of those icebreakers, you know, those really awkward ones where you go somewhere new and they say, say something interesting to the person next to you about yourself, I'm not going to do that. But it's that kind of thing. If I said, get out a piece of paper and write it down, who are you? What do you carry? Most people, you're instinctively going to put down wife, family, spouse, children, my job, my housework, my finances, my church commitments. These are all the things that you are carrying and holding on a daily basis, and they make up a part of our identity. At the beginning, Joe prayed at the beginning before we went into worship that we are children of God. That is our identity. As you walk with Jesus today, your identity is of a child of God. Scripture says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is never changing. But we know that all the stuff that we carry on a day-to-day basis, everything that we have past experience, our current circumstances, Our skills, our giftings, our talents, our knowledge and expertise in different areas, the people we surround ourselves with, our family. This is everything that we hold in our hands. And it is making up a part of our identity that we carry. And this kind of subcategory under child of God, what all of this gives us, this morning, what we want to look at this morning is everything that you hold on a day-to-day basis is actually giving you a set of resources at your disposal for God's kingdom. And so this morning we're focusing in on the story of Moses. And we're just going into some of the beginning bit. So Hebrew, uh, Moses was the little Hebrew baby placed in a basket and sent down the river by his mother in, in an attempt to save his life which worked. He was found by the Pharaoh's daughter and he's taken into the palace and he's raised as an Egyptian in the palace. But he clearly has some sort of understanding of his background. There's certainly a knowledge of who he is because he goes down several times to see and his people and to see what's going on down there. And right at the beginning, we see that what happens is he sees brutality against one of his people And it ends in him killing the soldier and then fleeing. And he flees out and he's out there for 40 years and he builds a new life. He becomes a husband, he becomes a father, he becomes a shepherd. He builds this new identity for himself. And we're just going to be focusing on a few of the verses this morning. Ben spoke last week about partnering with God and I want his want to partner with us. And this in a way, is where we see God start to partner with Moses. So we're looking around chapters 3 and 4. So Moses is out attending his flock, 
and an angel has appeared in the burning bush. Do we remember this story? The burning bush, and it's not burning up, and it's not burning down. And so, obviously, Moses has seen this, and he starts to go towards it. He's intrigued by it, and as he does, uh, God speaks to him <coughs> from the burning bush. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he goes on to tell Moses that he has seen and heard the suffering of his people, and he intends to free them and take them to a promised land. And in verse 10, he says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. Moses, totally unconvinced by this revelation that he is the one that is being sent. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God continues to try to reassure Moses, but he's not having it. He doesn't think they'll believe him. He doesn't think they'll trust him. The rest of the chapter is God telling him what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, what's going to happen. But as we go into chapter 4, Moses is still protesting. And he says, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. And so God says, what is that in your hand? This is such a well-used parenting technique. I use this one all the time. This, if parents, this is a well-used parenting technique. It's the technique where you ask a question when you already know the answer. Because obviously it's not a trick question. God knows what he's holding. He knows what it is. What he's trying to get Moses to do is, is look, to refocus. I do this every morning. Noah, are you out of bed yet? Noah's like me, he likes his sleep, he's not a morning person, it's a struggle. I'm just one, I was looking there across the bat to see if he was still in the room or if he'd gone out. It's a struggle. Um, have you brushed your teeth yet? Have you brought down your dirty dishes so I can put the dishwasher on? Have you got your PE kit? You got PE today, Noah? No to all of the above, of which I already know that that's the answer to all of the above. So why am I asking him? Why am I not telling him? Because I'm trying to get him to refocus. Whatever he's doing, I'm trying to get him to refocus. God is trying to get Moses, who is clearly panicking a little bit, to refocus on something he can see and take stock of. Whenever I read this, I read his response in a slightly questioning, kind of confused tone. Whenever I read this, I imagine God saying, okay, Moses, what is that in your hand? And he's like, staff remembering he's already taken off his shoes because he stands on holy ground and yet he hasn't put this down he holds in his hand a piece of his identity he may have not even clocked that he was sort of still holding it he'd already taken off his shoes but he hadn't put that down he's still got it it's a piece of his identity it's something that he has every day that he carries with him every day at this point he's an 80 year old man he may have used it for walking but he was of course also a shepherd it was an integral part of his job. He would have used it to protect the sheep. He would have used it to guide the sheep. 
Um, some people say it can be a sign of authority when they walked with staffs where they lived. It was a resource that he had and used every day. And God says to him, throw it down. And in verse 3, so Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. As Moses throws down the staff onto that holy ground, into the presence of God, God shows his power. He takes Moses' everyday resource and he shows him how he can work through it. He doesn't make it magic. It's not now a wand. It is God's power. But he's using Moses' everyday resource to show how he can work through it. It can be so easy for us to dismiss some of the things that are already in our hands. We often speak, rightly so, about spiritual giftings, about the need to seek them out, about the need to to seek God for them, about the need to step into them. If you know what they are, they are vital and we want you to step into them. But I'm not thinking here that Moses' staff is a spiritual gift. And yet look at what God does through it. We are so easy to dismiss the things that we have in our hands already. And God can do great things with the things that we trust to him. You might not even consider that you have anything particularly important or beneficial that you're holding right now. But that's not how God sees it. He's given it to you. What he's doing is he's waiting for you to throw it down. So often, we cry out to God for the resources that we don't have. For where we think we're lacking. For where we think there's a need. And of course, we should be crying out to God with our desires. And when we're praying for other people, we, we pray for the, for the healings and for, the, for, for whatever they need stepping into there but sometimes we're so busy crying out for what we're lacking and sometimes God will provide but just as often I think his response is to say what is in your hand well God my friend's having awful money trouble at the moment there's nothing I can do to help with that I'm praying to you because she needs a solution to her money problems and I haven't got any spare money. There's nothing I can do to help her. So I'm praying to you. What is in your hand? I've got some spare time. Great. So go and sit with her. Go and have a cup of coffee with her. Tell her who I am. Share my promises with her. Pray with her. And I will work through that. Well, God, I have such a, a passion for scripture, such an, a passion for your word. I just want everyone to read scripture and know your teachings better. But I'm no teacher. I couldn't get up on stage. I won't stand up in front of people. I want my church to offer great teaching, but, but, but I, can't, I can't do it. I couldn't get up on stage. Well, what is in your hand? Well, I have a house and a, and a kettle. Great. So you could host a house group and you could facilitate People coming together and studying my word together. Well, God, my, my, mum's, my friend's mum is really sick and there's nothing anyone can do and there's nothing that I can do about that. And I'm praying for healing. Of course, 
course, but what is in your hand? Well, nothing. What, what could I do about that? I just feel awful for her because I remember what it was like when I went through that. Oh, so there's experience then. So you have a testimony that you could go and share. And I will work through that. What is in your hands? So Moses has thrown down the staff. He's thrown down that resource into the presence of God and it's turned back into a snake. And he's jumped back. Fair reaction. Fair reaction. And then God says, now reach down and pick it up by the tail. I'm no expert. Has anyone else ever read that and thought, I don't make a habit of being in the presence of snakes. I'm pretty sure that's not how you're meant to pick them up. I'm also pretty sure that Moses had had his fair encounter with snakes. This wouldn't have been the first snake he'd have encountered. He would have probably known how to handle them. Not by the tail, I think, is, is the answer. And so here we see Moses' little leap, of, or actually maybe a big leap of faith. Because what he doesn't say is, well, actually, God, I've actually got quite a lot of expertise in this area. It's not the correct protocol. Um, so, yes, I know what you've told me to do, but actually, if you don't mind, I, I could probably actually just handle this if you don't if you don't mind. There's a little leap of faith. The whole world is going to tell you how to use your resources. Culture, society, media, they're going to tell you how you're supposed to be using your resources. What you should be doing with your money, what you should be doing with your time, how you should be using your talents and giftings, how and whether you should love or forgive people, how you should raise your children, what type of a wife or husband you should be. The wave of culture will tell you what this should look like. God the world says, the experts say, my parents say, my friends say, the woman who lives down the road says, and this is not, Obviously, this is not to downplay good, proper biblical counsel and wisdom that we seek from each other. But God is saying, don't worry about what you think you know. Don't worry about what the world says that you should do with your resources. Or if you have a little bit of them. Or if you have an abundance of them. Because I am. I am who I am. So put your faith in me, put your trust in me, throw them down, pick them up by the tail and see what happens. Because what he doesn't say to Moses is pick it up by the tail, don't worry, I have already commanded it to not bite you, everything will be fine, just trust me, pick it up, I promise it'll all be fine. And that's what we want God to say to us, isn't it? When he's to ask us to do something and it feels like a step of faith and it feels like a risk, we want God to say, don't worry. Steps one to ten are already sorted. It'll be fine. Pick up the snake. It'll be fine, I promise. 
but he doesn't. And Moses doesn't question, and God just says, pick it up, and he does. A walk with God will often go against the normal grain. And that can feel uncomfortable. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you in a new person by changing the way you think. That you will learn to, to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This isn't just about the way we behave, it's also about the way we use our resources. In the last little part of this interaction that we're looking at with Moses, because obviously it's, it's a long old part of the Bible and I've just pulled out just a few little bits. In this last little interaction that we're looking at today, <laughs> it ends with Moses pleading again <laughs> for God to send somebody else, please. <laughs> In verse 10, he says, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. And God tries to reassure him again. And he goes on to say, please, God, send anybody else. Why does Moses feel this way? God reassures him over and over and over again. Why does Moses feel this way? Well, clearly, it's because he says he can't speak well. And there is a whole other sermon that could be done on how God provides Aaron for him, his brother, how he steps in. When I said at the beginning that we cry out for the resources we don't have, and God says, what is in your hands? But sometimes he also provides what we are lacking. And at the end of the story, we see that, where he just says, I just can't, I just can't, I can't get up and speak, I can't do that. And he says, okay, I will send your brother to speak for you. Please, God, send anybody else. Why does he feel this way? He can't speak, but also there may have been a little voice inside of Moses' head. Because here is God telling Moses, you are going to go and free my people. You are going to go and free them. And yet he might have been thinking, yeah, you know, I tried to do something like that once before. And it didn't work out too well for me, God. Moses was raised in the palace. That was his background. His background was as an Egyptian. The Egyptians in these times were people who were ruling with force. And they were thriving at the expense of other people's suffering. And if there was a problem, brutality would normally fix that problem. They ruled with force and that was what he was raised in. If we rewind back to chapter 2, rewind to that scene, it says many years later, so he's grown up in the palace, many years later, he's now an adult, about 40 they, they reckon, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating on one of the fellow Hebrews. And looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Moses comes down to visit his people and sees someone being beaten by an Egyptian. And in his anger, in his frustration, in his pain, he wants to step in. So what does Moses do when forced with a problem? He does what he knows, what he has seen. He uses force. We're not 100% on what was exactly used. He could have picked up a spade or something. He could have 
carried a sword, given his position. He could have used his fists. There's not a lot of indication of exactly how this was done. But however it was done, he takes what is in his hand and with his own strength and his own understanding, he uses that. If you want, just on a side note, if you want a really clear indication of if you are using your resources for God's work, if you have to look both ways to check no one is watching you before you do it, that's probably a red flag, with the exception of if you may be smuggling Bibles or something, with a few exceptions. So he knows. There's a conscience in Moses. He knows because he looks both ways, but he still takes what is in his hand, whether that was a fist or a weapon, and he uses that in the only way he knows how, and that's with force. What are you holding in your hand this morning? The resources that you have are to be cherished. They are gifts. But we must be throwing them down to God. Because they are also a responsibility. It can be a weapon. Or it can be a staff. All of my life... I have had one big resource at my disposal, my mouth. My voice is my biggest resource. And the people that spend a lot of time with me chuckled down the front when I said that. It is my biggest resource. It is the thing that I have never been afraid to use. It is the thing that is always my first go-to, my words, my voice, my mouth is my first go-to in any problem, in any conflict, in any situation I find myself in. I have always had it and never had a problem using it. I've used it as a weapon. That's the truth. I have used my voice as a weapon. I can use my voice to build people up. And I can use it to tear them down. And I can use it to bring peace. And I can use it to gossip and stir up trouble. That's the truth. And I stand on this stage and I hope that God is using my gift of a voice I hope to be able to use it for his work, to honour him. But it's powerful. And I can tell you, in every area of my Christian life, through all the time I have walked with God, my mouth is my biggest struggle. My biggest resource is my biggest struggle. I take my voice, my mouth, how I use it, back to God and throw it down to him over and over and over again. I promise you I do. I have to. I have to keep going back to God for wisdom, for guidance, for grace and forgiveness. You know, some would have gifts of leadership, but I'm sure most people in this room have seen 
an abuse of that power, maybe in a workplace or something. Because leaders, people with a gifting of leaders, they can build great things. And they can also use that to push others down while they lift themselves up. And you might have a wonderful, social, confident personality. And you might have a gifting of hospitality and be such a social person. But I went to an all-girls school and I've seen the power of group cliques and very social, very confident people with that gifting of hospitality. They can use it to build a beautiful, loving church family. And they can use it to build cliques. That's the honest truth. My mum went to a Christian gathering once where she was invited to something by someone and another, and another lady quickly went, oh, sorry, sorry. That was actually just going to be for, for the inner circle. Weapons or staffs. Our strength, our knowledge, our understanding of God's power, God's will. If I just invite the band to mosey on up, because the most important part of this story isn't what Moses had, it's what he did with it. He threw it down. What he had in his hands, he threw down into the presence of God. And he stepped into partnership with God. He used his resources with God. Ben spoke last week about that partnership. Take what is in your hands, throw it down to God, and step into partnership with him. And actually, if you want to go all the way to the end of Moses' story, which we're not going to do this morning, but if you want to read all the way to the end of Moses' story, you will see that he doesn't actually go to the promised land himself. Because he takes that staff after all the miracles and all the wonderful things him and God see and do together. He takes that staff and he takes back the control again. And he does it in his own strength again. And he doesn't actually go to promised land, but that's yet another sermon for yet another day. What do you have in your hands? You have a set of resources and God wants to work through what you have to offer him. And as we take some time just to go back into worship this morning, Let's just take some time, just have a really open, honest conversation with God. Maybe you want to sit there and you want to ask God, help me refocus. Ask me that question, what is in my hands? Help me to refocus, help me to look down, help me to see it. Sometimes the things we have, we don't, like Moses at the beginning, it was, it's just my staff, Lord. but there's power in it. Ask God to help you see what is in your hands. And maybe for some there might be a time of repentance as well. A time when we feel those resources were used in a way that maybe we don't feel looking back honoured God. Or maybe we're using resources in a way and we think actually I want to get into partnership with you God. I want to take it over here. What do you want to do with it? Where's your will in this? I want to throw it down to you. And as always, we're at the front. If you want to pray this morning with someone, if you're comfortable to ask someone around you to do that, please do. And we're also 
at the front. So please do come on down to the side as we worship if you want prayer or you want to talk to someone. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for all that you have given us. All good things come from you. All things we have are yours. Everything we own, everything we do, everything you have given us, it's yours. And so this morning we pray, help us to use those resources well. Help us to take what is in our hands and glorify you. That everything we may do will honour you. And we ask as we step out with that leap of faith and we pick it up by the tail, we ask you to be there right with us. We ask that your will be done through that leap of faith. That you will work through it. That your power will be seen in it.